0: Hey everybody, it's Brian Fitzgerald here from the Real Estate Investors Lounge. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Stuart Harrison from Capstone Property Consultants. Stuart is a professional engineer and a master home inspector, and even better, he's a seasoned investor. He's been inspecting homes since 2006. I think he's mentioned something about like over 5,000 inspections, which seems like a lot and he's been investing in real estate since 2013 you get to hear a story on what got him into the real estate investing world as well as his perspective from uh, a, an inspector on home inspections and his perspective as an investor on home inspections so a really great episode and uh, i hope you guys enjoy this one as much as i did hello and welcome to the real estate investors lounge Join us as we cover a multitude of real estate related topics with some of the brightest and most experienced finds in the industry. Our goal with The Real Podcast is to provide information, strategies, and insight on how to navigate the current and upcoming Canadian market. We use the experiences, knowledge, and the expertise of our guests and professionals in the field and offer it all back to you, the listener. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca. We're your host, Brian Fitzgerald, Erica Spencer and Jay Shaw. Hello everybody and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. My name is Brian Fitzgerald and I'm here with my host co-host Jay Shaw and Erica Spencer. Um, today, we're sitting down with Stu Harrison from Capstone Property Consultants. Stu is a professional engineer, as well as being a professional home inspector, and on top of it all, he is also an investor, so I think there's going to be some great content here that uh, Stu's going to be able to share with us, um, and before uh, we go too far, um, Stu, are you there? Can you hear us?
1: Yep, I'm here, and uh, thanks for having me on
0: for your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. So before we steal any of, you know, your thunder and, and, and take anything away from you, just are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background? Um, and yeah, let's start with that.
1: All right. Um, so i married with two kids living in Burlington for the last 15 years. Uh, professional engineer, which you mentioned. And... Uh, you know, an avid hobbyist like to build, renovate, all that kind of stuff, so I can get a good background knowledge on on uh, how houses are put together.
0: That sounds pretty good, actually. I didn't I didn't realize you, you you're a builder by trade, or just like a hobbyist, like a
1: just hobbyist, like, jack of uh, all uh, trade, right master of some. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, we're in the midst of a basement renovation now, and uh, built a patio last week, and so it's just a matter of. Whatever job needs to get done,
0: I'm the guy that gets it done. I understand that. Stu, this is great information because we have
2: a couple of projects here we can put you on right away if you're interested. (laughs) You couldn't afford me. You're probably (laughs) right.
0: That's fantastic. Um, Actually, you just mentioned, uh, like we were talking about professional engineers. So was that your, the path to begin with? And then what kind of led you into the home inspection side of stuff?
1: Well, yeah, so I was doing engineering. I graduated in 96 and was doing engineering for a few years. And uh, it got very, I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie Office Space, where you've got like three managers and there's people fighting over staplers. and yep. So that became my life, and I was just like, uh, this is ridiculous. I need something else. And uh, a friend of mine suggested, hey, you know what? We just had our home inspector you know, come through. I think this is totally something you could do. Uh, so I looked into it and I thought, you know, that does look kind of interesting, you know, something different every day, a little bit of a broad, you know, base of knowledge. So uh, I looked into it and, uh, went down that road.
0: Cool. Very cool. And, and how long have you been, uh, have you been doing the home inspection then?
1: So I started in 2006.
0: 2006. Okay. Ah, so you've been doing a little while now.
1: Yep, that's so yeah, not some, my first
0: rodeo. Seen some good stuff, I'm sure. Some interesting stuff. Absolutely. We'll save that for the blooper reel.
2: <laughs> so, Stu, walk us through. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're probably a little more advanced than a, a lot of home inspectors out there. What type of training was required for you to kind of make that leap from your you know, your office-based job, which uh, I think is hilarious, to uh, to being a home inspector? So when
1: I first looked into it, um, there's a few you know, college basically offering a home inspection program. So I went through Humber College and took, uh, I think it was five or six courses. Um, and then there was a posting from a uh, home inspection company in Toronto, and they were looking for somebody, and they just needed somebody with kind of the you know an engineering background, but they wanted somebody with kind of a smattering of uh, home inspection knowledge. So I applied to them, and basically from there... Um, it was kind of almost like a co-op program almost. So you do half a day training and then half the day learning. Um, and it turns out their materials are what the colleges are buying anyway. So basically I was learning another college course at the same time as on the job training. Um, so then, you know, once I started running full time with them, it was two or three jobs a day, you know, 300 jobs or yeah, probably about 300 jobs a year. So it, uh, you know, really uh, exposed me to quite a bit of
0: stuff. So when you're looking at a property, I, I, this could be kind of like a twofold question, because um, obviously you're you're doing just the average, you know, normal buyer home inspection, but you're also uh, doing inspections for investors. Uh, what should you be looking for? When you're buying a property, and I and I guess you can kind of touch on both sides of it. But what are you looking for when you're buying a property?
1: Um, Well, me personally, or just
0: yeah, you you personally.
1: What I said. Okay, so really, I want to know what is the age and condition of the major components of the house. Like every house has loose knobs and you know a wiggly outlet and all that little minor stuff. But I want to know how old is the roof? How old is the furnace? The air conditioner? Uh, what kind of shape are the windows in, and does the basement leak? And that's to me, that's kind of like the the end of it. Because if any of those things happen, those are thousand dollar items or thousands of dollars items. So that changes the the dynamics. It changes the money. So I want to know, you know, where is everything? How's it doing? What's it going to cost?
0: Yeah. So the big the big ticket items.
1: The big ticket, and I try, you know sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Um, I have actually better luck with investors saying, hey, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Don't focus on the little stuff. You know, everything says little stuff. You got to think of the big picture. Like, can you afford this or not? That's really, you know, where you want to go with this.
3: <laughs> no, we're looking at all the questions here and wondering, uh, I think he answered six of them all at once. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you point out the issues to the clients too so they know what to look for, or how do you go about doing that? Like when you do a typical inspection, um, walk us through like kind of start to finish how how you run that through with the client.
1: So my preference is for the client to actually come along, ask questions, be involved in the process. Um, and the idea is that you know when it, when I do an inspection report, it's always a summary of all the negative things I found whereas when you're actually doing an inspection there's things that are like hey you know that's that's pretty good right like that's a nice thing to have um, so if they come along for that part of it they get a benefit of you know seeing that the house is in all wards there's some some nice things too so if they can't which is a lot of investors situation they you know they got to work or whatever um, then obviously I'm always reachable after so they can you know say hey you know what did you think uh, you know and the question i always get and it's always to me it's when the investor or person is very nervous, they always ask me, Would you buy this house? Um, so I'm not gonna get into the answer for that one, but anyways, if you're asking me that question, you're really nervous about it and maybe you should, you know, think why are you nervous about this house? Yeah.
3: Do you find there's a big difference between clients who are investors and clients who are purchasing homes for their own purposes? Do like you find one one type of client more nervous than the other typically, or are they pretty much the same to deal with?
1: No, absolutely. The people buying it for themselves are way more swayed by uh, like personal, I don't know what the word is, personal preferences or personal biases. Um, so an investor would look at it and say, you know, what's that going to cost me, and move on. Whereas a personal uh, shopper, for lack of a better sense, they're they get stuck on it emotionally so a big one is like say if there's mold in the attic well you can call them a remediation guy for a few thousand bucks it's gone it's done life goes on but i've seen so many people you know who are going to buy a house and they'll walk away nope i'm not buying this this death trap like that's in their words right they just they're completely emotional based versus factual based
3: so the deal breakers like would vary between clients. I mean, like I find the same, too, like being a realtor, right? Obviously, there's a lot more emotion in someone who's going to move into the house. But, I mean, a deal breaker for an investor might be like, you know, a new roof or a new HVAC system. And for an uh, end user, it might be the same or maybe something that's a little bit less uh, serious, but they take more seriously emotionally, I guess, right?
1: Right, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I've seen people walk away from a house that I would love to buy, and I've seen people buy a house that I wouldn't put my worst enemy in. So there's no rhyme or reason. Like you said, it's just it's something they've got in their own personal background that says yay or nay. So it's kind of a weird thing, but you just get used to it after a while.
2: What do you find uh, are some of those deal-breakers, too? I know you talked a little bit about some of them on your end, like, I mean, um, you know, foundations, basements, those types of things. But I guess every client is different. But what do you see kind of in your... Yeah, I mean, you must do hundreds of inspections a year. What do you see are kind of the top five that you see uh, people walking away from or, or deal breakers? I think uh, basement leakage would be the most common, just primarily
1: because sometimes it's not, very, it's not a clearly defined problem, so it gives people a lot of anxiety because they can't just point to it and say, there's the problem, I can fix it. There's a bit of unknown. So I would say that's probably number one. Um, Structural issues, they're pretty rare, but when they do come along, they're very intimidating because the average person doesn't want to deal with that sort of stuff. Um, older wiring, like, uh, you know, if a house has left a knob and tube or, you know, even some aluminum wiring, some people freak out about that. Um, like I said, it's it's solvable, but some people are just not in a mental uh, situation that they they want to deal with it. Um And then a lot of times, like old house stuff, I've seen, especially with uh, like newer investors or newer buyers, is they'll come into an old house kind of thinking it's like the house that they're in, but it's just different. It's got a lot of different characteristics that some people are uncomfortable with, um, like older foundations and things like that. So, um, and then there's the the big ticket items that people didn't plan on. So, you know, if you go in and they come in thinking, oh, the furnace and AC is like five years old, and they find out it's actually twenty-five years old. Then there's that it that kind of disappointment sets in, and then they, there's this like mental block, even though it's it's again it's fixable. It's just maybe they didn't want to.
2: So. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, that's helpful to know, right? I think every buyer is different, is what you're saying, just in terms of, you know, what what their flashpoints are and where they are in their their own particular lives um what so just changing gears for a second just in terms of your profession right because i mean there are home inspectors out there that you know well let's be honest that some some can be you know they don't have the expertise and the experience and the professional designations that you do um there are some fly-by-nighters out there i think they're that's you know common in any profession, but. Um, you know, if if people are going to look at using a home inspector, what types of questions should they ask, um, you know, someone that they're potentially going to work with? The primary thing is
1: experience because really it's a, it's not necessarily, I mean, education is nice, but the more houses a person has seen, the more likely they are to understand the things that they're looking at and understand the, you know, the behind the scenes, like what's causing the issues that we see. Um, so you want to have somebody with lots of experience. So you know many thousands and thousands of houses, because it's it's often that you'll see something, and I still come across things that I'm like, wow, you know that's that's kind of cool, but without that experience to draw on, you're not you're not able to really you know wrap your head around what is actually going on behind the scenes that's causing you know the issue that we're seeing. Um, so you also want somebody that's doing it full time. And definitely not somebody that's doing it like on weekends or evenings or as a side gig, and not somebody finding Kijiji because you know it's just some dude who's you know wants to make a hundred bucks on the side. So if that's what you want, you know, go right ahead, I guess. But uh, that's that's not what I would recommend uh, as someone you work with,
0: Stu. Is there um, designation differences for home inspectors, like uh, correct? You, know, uh, I'll probably be wrong here, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is there like an RHI or a CHI, like certified versus registered, or something like that?
1: Yeah. So this is so the home inspection industry is not regulated even a little. Like it's a complete wild west. So all of these organizations start up, and they're usually started by home inspectors who don't want to do home inspections anymore. Um, they're either getting too old or just tired of crawling into other people's attics. So they start an association and then their association needs special credentials to distinguish themselves from another association. So you've maybe got, in Ontario, there's maybe half a dozen associations, and each one of them has their own special designations. Uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of all nonsense. Okay. So um, some have a little bit more criteria saying, you know what, to get our designation, you've got to do X, Y, Z, uh, and some have none, but... In the entire time, so 12 years, probably 5,000 inspections, I've only had one person ask me, you know, do I have some kind of home inspection designation? So the average consumer knows nothing about it, and and I think that's probably fine. There's no real reason to, to educate yourself on home inspector designations.
3: Do so what about in terms of, we've I mean, talked about what to look for in a home inspector. You obviously deal with a lot of realtors, so can you talk about, um, you know, your experience in in finding an investor-friendly realtor in terms of like what people should look for and what you've seen from your perspective as a home inspector? So
1: definitely, um, for that one, it's if the realtor is looking to close the deal and that's all they care about, then that's not somebody you want. You want somebody that's looking for the relationship. So they want to make sure that maybe not just this house but the next house and the next house are all going to meet with what you need in your portfolio and what you've decided you want to do. Um, and I, I see that all the time, not in the investor side uh, because, in, I don't know, for whatever reason, the uh, the real estate um, the realtors that work with investors seem to have an eye on the bigger picture, whereas I find some realtors on the like on just the average home buyer side are more concerned about the sale, like getting that deal closed, regardless of, you know, whether they think it's the right house for this person or not. So, um, yeah. So to answer your question, they got to care about the relationship more than the sale.
0: And like what you're saying, Erica, too, I think it, when you're looking at, and, and what Stu said too, is the, you're looking at the bigger picture. So hopefully if you're working with, with an investor, this isn't, Obviously one deal, there's gonna be potentially multiple deals down the road, whereas you could kinda of see the other realtors and I'm not saying there's well, there's some of them, but where it's the purchase is like a one off and then it's like, Okay, see you later. You know, I've got my deal done and I might not talk to you ever again. Whereas the investor bit, yeah. side uh agent is more likely to work with you on a longer term basis and, and I think yeah, you guys both both hit it on the head there.
1: Yeah, so I think the, the real thing, if you're an investor, uh, get a real estate agent that does investing themselves. Like, every if like you talk to any realtor and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll get you this house, no problem. But you want somebody that's been down that road because there's a lot of crap that you've got to sort out. Uh, and if, if you're finding out about it after you bought the house, that may be a little bit too late. Yeah.
3: I feel like even before we became realtors ourselves, like, I mean... There's realtors who work with investors and then there's ones that don't, like you said. I mean there's the difference I noticed for sure um when we had, you know, our, our coach with um Rockstar was that like they know more too about the home. And I mean I feel like I'm in that position now too, that I've learned so much by being at home inspections that I can kind of relay a little bit more knowledge to my clients than other agents who maybe just sell um houses to end users or less interested. Like you picture kind of a home inspection where you know, the agent shows up with their computer and like takes no interest. And then I feel like with, you know, with our kind of um, investment deals, that the, the agents seem to know more or take more of an interest. And if you find that as well or not.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I, I've been to many, many, many home sections where I'll ask the realtor something and they'll have l- like no idea, nothing. They're just there to turn the lights on and open the doors. And it's, I always I get a chuckle out of it because I'm like, and how can you sell something that you know nothing about? So it's it's refreshing when I get in front of a, a real estate investor or sorry a realtor that's investing that they know stuff like they know about zoning and they know about basements and they know about stuff that's important. Yeah, because for it, sure. It, it it makes a difference. It absolutely does.
0: So you, you Stu, you're an investor yourself as well, right? Correct. Yep. And how long have you been investing in real estate? Five years. Five years. Started in. Yeah, but so I start, joined Rockstar.
1: In uh, am I allowed to say I'm a part of Rockstar remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I joined Rockstar in April 2013 and bought my first house in October, and then uh, bought four more after that.
0: Who did your home inspections? I do my own. <laughs> I'm not supposed to, but
1: I do.
3: <laughs> That's a loaded question. If I ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> <a> trick
1: question. Were <laughs> you
3: objective? Did you
2: mm-hmm. issue a report? That's right.
1: I always <laughs> ask myself, would you buy this house? Yeah, just looking in the mirror. Would you
3: go back on the seller for things like, you know, wiggly light switches and ceiling fans that don't work?
1: Nope. But you know what? And I try and pass this on whenever I can. So if you go in and there's like a furnace and, you know, whatever that needs to be serviced or whatever, you can ask them. But a lot of people will, will make or break the deal on it. Right? Like, oh, this has got to be done. And like, there's always a Kind of a you can kind of do a soft ask, I guess, if that's the right terminology, without making it hard and hard and fast that you're not going to buy this house unless you do X, Y, Z. So I think for every one of them, we always did one of these things where you say, hey, you know what, we know the furnace is a little bit older. Would you guys be willing to service it? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And uh, the one time I got a new furnace out of it, so it was a uh, pretty sweet thing. The
3: way that I always deal with that, as you know, Stu, is when people. You know, if somebody comes in and they're like, oh, well, the home inspector said there's a hole in the roof. Like, we have to go back and get five grand off. And I would say, you know, did you not notice the hole in the roof <laughs> when you looked at the house or something? <laughs> if it's something I mean, that's obvious when you look at the home, then that shouldn't be something that, you know, after you've had an inspection, you might be having some buyer's remorse or whatever than that. when you take it back to the seller and try and get a discount. But if it's something like, you know, a crack in the foundation or something that the client wasn't able to see before uh, the home inspector came in, and that would be kind of fair game um, to ask for a price reduction or for them to fix it. So I don't know if you think that's fair or not, but that's how I usually deal with my clients.
1: Yeah, I usually, and they all, like, a lot of people ask me what I would consider realtor-type questions. I don't know why that is, but um, things that I think they should be asking a realtor, not me. But anyways, I try and answer it the best I can. So that's one of the things you know, people ask me, and I always say, you know what, if it's something that's big and expensive and a surprise, then it warrants, you know, a further conversation. Uh, or if it's something you're unwilling or un- incapable of doing, then maybe that's something that warrants uh, conversation. But what I try and stress to people is that if, if the market isn't such that the sellers have any uh, motivation, then for for the love of everything, do not go back and ask them to fix an outlet or whatever because they're just going to tell you to hit the road. And a lot of people don't understand that whole buyer market, seller market thing. Um, so that's something that's worthwhile researching before you're you know, offering on houses.
0: Yeah, that might have a little bit to do too if uh, you're we're talking like a $700,000 home and one bathroom doesn't have an exhaust fan in it. Is it worth... Is it worth going back versus, you know, a furnace and a roof needing to be done on a $250,000 home? You know, sometimes yeah, exactly. it's just a drop in the bucket, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. I think we're all fortunate uh, too, Stu, that, uh, I mean, we're more coaches than we are realtors. So when we're dealing with investors, you know, we can have that frank discussion, right? Where it's, we're not there, you know, we're not starving for, you know, the the clothes, right? We're not getting them to firm up just for the sake of, of earning a commission, Right. Um, so we can have those, you know, frank discussions to be like, look, that's not worth us going back on. We can get that fixed. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, an hour with a handyman for, you know, 30 or 40 bucks, right? That, right. Those things can be fixed, right? Obviously not a, not a hole in the roof or anything like that, but uh, is at least having a, a discussion with them.
1: That's, I mean, that's what I try and, I guess at the end of the day, that's what I try and provide is separating the wheat from the chaff. What's a big deal? What's a pretty normal deal? And that's what I try and impart to people by the time I leave.
2: So, Stu, what made you uh, make the, the jump to real estate uh, investing, right? Like, I mean, you you got into home inspecting. Um, what, like, did you start wanting to invest in real estate after you opened your own company? How did that work? What it was
1: was I received a my uh, impact statement, you know, the things that tell you what, what they think your house is worth. In the mail at the same time that I received my mutual fund statement in the mail. And I realized that even the grossly undervalued figure that MPAC uses was like way more money than my pathetic mutual fund. And I'm thinking, why am I wasting money on mutual funds? And that was like a, the watershed moment. I'm done with that and I'm going there. I'm going into real estate because that's where the money is. That's awesome. That's where the appreciation really. That's where your money really works. That's why.
0: The that aha moment.
1: That's it. It was totally. I had I did like two pieces of paper on the kitchen table. I was like, the that that line on the graph where they show your mutual funds increasing just happened to coincide with my monthly contributions. <laughs> so I was like, what the hell. <laughs>
0: So uh, you said before, obviously we know you invest in real estate, and I, are you at five properties, five doors right now, or? Yep. And and do you mind elaborating on what what's in your portfolio? Like uh, what types of what types of properties?
1: So I started with uh, single family homes, and you know, so my first one was in Cambridge in 2013, and then I bought a, uh, another uh, semi in Grimsby. The next year. And then we bought a new house in Grimsby. It's a, it's a kind of a townhouse unit. Um, and then after that, we bought two student rentals in London.
0: So you're all over the place.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I'm a very big believer in no eggs or not all your eggs in one basket. So, you know, the single families make less money per month, but their appreciation is better because they don't, they're not tied to a rental income so I can use those to leverage and buy, you know, different properties. Mm-hmm. And then the student rentals are just nice cash flowers.
0: I like that. That's actually a good mix too. And then you're in Cambridge, Grimsby and London? Yep. So you just were going where the deals were or is there certain things yep. you're looking or factors external factors that maybe you're looking in those areas?
1: Well, you know, we, we started in Grimsby because it was it wasn't like when I was looking in Grimsby. It wasn't the push all the way around the Golden Horseshoe that we're seeing now as far as home prices. Right. Like you could still buy something in Grimsby at a reasonable price and it'd be a nice house. Uh, so we started there, and then we were, you know, hearing kind of in the background the GO stations coming, and it's going to be a commuters kind of place. So we thought, well, maybe we should double down in Grimsby. So then we got the other one, and then by the time it came around for the third, Grimsby had already moved on. Like if the prices had gone up, and so that's when we started thinking, well, maybe student rentals would be a good choice.
2: Stu, what's the uh, I mean you've, you're kind of in you know a few different markets and, and a few different uh, investing strategies. What's been the biggest challenge for you um, you know as you've started out in real estate well? I mean, you haven't just started out, you've been at it for a while. what's been what's been one of the biggest challenges you've uh, had to overcome in in investing in real estate?
1: Me personally, it's filling houses. It's, I just find it really, really mentally hard. I don't know if it actually is hard, but I find it mentally hard. Um, so when I look at the student rentals and I get them managed and there's a company that just fills them and i mean I pay for that that service, but at the same time, it's just, it's such a relief. So for me, that's the hardest thing is, is actually getting a tenant. Um, so I always say, if you can get, if you have a tenant lined up and you know they want this house, then buy that house. Like it's that for me. That would be a dream come true to have the tenant walk up to me and say, "Hey, I'm an awesome tenant. I have lots of money. Rent me that house."
0: If I had a quarter for every time that happened to us, yeah, you'd have. A I would not have, have a lot of quarters.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. Like so for me. It's it's not the mechanical stuff. It's not like you know anything you know the furnace broke or this that or this. I don't you know that sort of stuff happens to everybody. But it's actually sitting down and finding a decent tenant. That's always the hard part for me.
2: Do you find it difficult Stu, that you're you know you live in Burlington, you've got a house in Cambridge, you've got one in Grimsby, you've got uh, two, in London, two in London. Two in London or one. Two. Okay. Do you find it difficult, um, you know, managing across different markets?
1: Not too bad. Like the, uh, the Grimsley ones, I've got an excellent, awesome tenant in there right now. Uh, the Cambridge ones actually have four young people. I don't want to say millennials cause they're such a negative term, but, um, four young, like young people, they decided to share the house. So the hardest thing with them is just educating them on how a house works. Like the other day I had to stop by and reset a breaker. Um, because they were convinced that you know the the kitchen outlet stopped working. I said, "Well, did you check the breaker?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, but it says..." And it's like, "Oh God!" So I, you have to turn it off and you turn it on. And they just didn't know; they had no idea that's how a breaker works. So it was a little challenging to. I mean, I was working out that way anyway, so it worked. It worked well for me, but at the same time, if you were, you know, in Mississauga and had to drive all the way to Cambridge to reset a breaker, you'd probably be pretty uh, pretty ticked off. So there is it it is not without its ups and downs, but it's manageable.
0: Stu, you mentioned just having to drive out there for, you know, a fairly basic issue. Um just a to touch back on home inspections, like what areas do you cover? Like you're based out of Burlington, uh, but where what's your threshold?
1: I go wherever Rockstar goes, it's just I don't know why it's working out that way, but it does. Except I'm kinda done with going to East Toronto, like Oshawa would be Ajax. All those guys. I just, I just don't have enough time in a day to get out there. Yeah, just takes too long. But London, I'll go to. I've I, I actually, I actually kind of like the drive to London. It's very easy. Um, Saint Catharines, Welland, you know, all those ones out there. That's no problem. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to see Woodstock now. Some investors are going that way. So yeah, as long as I can get there and back in time enough to get to my next job, then I'll go anywhere.
0: Good to know um j erica anything you wanted to add in there
3: i was going to ask if you can tell us the worst home inspection but it can't be one of ours that's the only caveat so
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i guarantee it wasn't um so just in general no names the lower the rent the worse the inspection um so when i go into like 12 and 16 units and they're paying like you know seven or eight hundred um I'm I'm appalled that that human beings can live the way some of those people live. Like it, it was there was one lady she parked her moped in the living room, and it, <laughs> it leaked oil onto the floor.
2: Oh my uh, god! And then
1: she sopped it up with a newspaper. But in her kitchen she actually had a drift, like think it's no drift, but of garbage up to the counter. So from the floor to the counter. So what are we talking like 30 inches? uh 32 inches whatever um adrift just a naturally stacked pile of garbage it was so appalling did you burn
3: your clothes when you got home or uh, you got in your
1: truck i had to change in the driveway or in the uh, garage and another place there was a place in welland it was a group home and i actually it's it's one of two uh units that are in my entire time one of two units that i refused to go into it smelled so bad. It smelled like death.
0: Oh, yeah. but The
1: guy was, he just didn't flush the toilet anymore.
0: <laughs>
1: it was, it was so, and I was like, wow, you're going to buy this place. But you, this is where I go back to that point where this guy bought it. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have touched that house with a match. Um, <laughs> this guy bought it and i saw him at one of the member events and he's like oh yeah you know what we got that guy out of there and the other lady upstairs set herself on fire but that's okay like he was...
0: um okay maybe we should just go to the fire round before anybody gets yeah, in okay. trouble. <laughs> yeah. this is why erica only comes on a couple podcasts a year so yeah, normally she's on assignment and you don't hear from her but
2: <laughs> like entertainment tonight we sent her on assignment yeah, yeah two um so let's get to the fire round so we ask these questions to all of our guests we haven't had a uh hosted session yet so congratulations you're the first one thank you um okay so question number one where do you see yourself in 12 months from now on the path of real estate investing
1: i'm buying another one absolutely that's it that's full stop i'm getting another one probably another student rental in london maybe one to renovate Worked really well with the last one. So, because
2: downloading the app to open the doors as we speak, <laughs> that's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu, where do you see the market in the next 12 months? Ooh, that's a tough
1: one. Um, you know, unless they change some of the rules, I think it's going to be this stumbling mess that it is right now. Like, it's like I'm busy right now, but it's this fits and starts. I'll go through spots where nobody's doing anything, and then you'll go through spots where it's really busy because. Like, I've seen way more people in the last month cancel inspections due to financing. So, like I say, if if the conditions out there stay the same, then we should expect more of the same.
3: Um, Who do you learn from as inspiration or as, maybe not as cheesy, but who do you learn from in general?
1: You know, I learn, because I see so many rock star coaches, I learned I get a different kind of viewpoints because you guys all have slightly different, you know, personalities and takes. So it's good to kind of pick and choose as far as you know nuggets. And then the clients, I I learn a lot of things from from clients, especially other investors um, who have different strategies and different ideas. So I can sometimes grab this nugget and grab that nugget. Um, it was actually at a member event when you know the guy beside me said, "This is how I cashed in all my RSPs," uh, and that's what I did. I went home and did it the way he did it, and boom, bought another house.
0: Awesome. That is awesome.
2: So, Stu, I know uh, you're very current on the Ontario Building Code, but what are you currently reading? (laughs) And uh, if the Building Code is not putting you to sleep, and you're not a reader, uh, which podcast are you currently listening to? Well, I
1: I only read fiction. I never read non-fiction, so, like... Like really escapist James Rollins, Clive Cussler kind of stuff. That's it.
2: My mm-hmm. God, you should hang out with my father.
1: <laughs> I yeah, uh, I am I am an old man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I can't I can't sit through uh, nonfiction
0: stuff. Uh, Stu, if you could do one thing differently in the last year, what what do you think that would have been?
1: So I listened to again. It was. Somebody I was on session with, and they were talking about a second mortgage company. Um, the returns seemed kind of too good to be true, but he assured me that the you know everything was on the up and up. And then they got shut down by the uh, Securities Commission, like basically a month after I invested. So I wouldn't have done that again.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I agree. I didn't
1: lose anything, and it's still in the uh, you know throes of legal. But it's still I, I hate having money tied up somewhere that I can't play with.
0: For sure.
3: And I think this is the last question, possibly. Um, what would you tell people that are still sitting on the fence and, and you know pondering whether or not they should become real estate investors?
1: I love this one because it's do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> oh. oh,
3: you were ready for that one? <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely, because it's it is it, it can't be any more true than that. I see these. I am surrounded by people who are like, oh, you know, I should really try this. I should really try. I'm like, no, you know, it's not like somebody's sandwich at lunch. You do it. You you commit. You you go through the crap, and you get help when you need it, and you you get success.
3: For the people that are going to try, you should tell them that you'll JV with them, take their money or their access to title.
0: Use and their then, money. The uh, better <laughs> term. I'll take your money. <laughs>
3: Give
1: me our money.
2: Yeah.
1: No, I I would totally JV as long as the people who are JV are on the same page that I am. So, when I meet the average person and I say, Oh, you know, you should try, you should look into this. This is what I'm doing. And uh, they're like, Well, you know, I've got some money. Does that mean I get 50%? I'm like, Well, no. But that's what they think is that if they have the money, then they get all the returns while you do all the work. So, that's yeah. the right JV. But yeah
0: speaking of jv's Stu, is it uh is it kosher with you if we put your some of your like maybe your email address if anybody ever wants to reach out for to you regarding home inspections or jv's or just you know yeah
1: no that's fine
0: to go over that quote uh, you gave us
1: yeah and i know I know for a fact somebody's gonna this always happens at member events too where people corner me and ask me about problems with their house but i guess <laughs>
3: Come
0: to expect it you're like the real estate Pretty sure. so at least
3: you're not a doctor because you're not assessing like armpit rashes right you're talking about like <laughs> cracks and foundations and
0: <laughs> you whatever had to, you had to
3: bring Some that people's up. people's descriptions they're so like they're so dramatic like oh my god i've
1: got this huge crack and you're and it's like they send me a picture it's like this typical hairline brick crack right and you're like oh god
3: Like when I called you from the hairdresser and said, hey, my hairdresser has a a (laughs) leaky basement. We can't figure out where the water's coming from. (laughs) And then
1: you're asking, hey, can you go to St. Catherine's this afternoon? (laughs) (laughs) On a Friday Um, night at
3: like 4 (laughs) o'clock. No, no, I'm
1: not. Yeah.
3: Yeah, By the way, everyone's due to not work Sunday, so if you're a Sunday shopper, then count Stu out, right?
1: Well, you know, I will on special requests, and if everything's clear on this end.
3: You so have never done a Sunday inspection for anyone
1: I know. I usually work Saturdays, so I'm not working all weekend. That's just miserable.
3: I agree. I don't, I don't work Sundays either.
1: Oh, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> Jay missed that but memo. I yeah, I hate working all weekends.
2: All right, Stu. Well, I don't think uh, I think we've covered everything in a uh, you know in a very uh, concise to the point uh, interview. Thanks for taking some time to speak with us and. For those of you interested in learning more about Stu, we'll put his contact information in terms of uh, learning more about home inspections and real estate investing and all that good jazz. So, um, Anyway, Stu, on behalf of uh, the Real Estate Investors Lounge, thanks
0: for joining us this evening.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Stu. All right. All take, right. Care, take care. Have a good you night.
1: Right, bye Bye.